1: A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper, he'll call to the place, he'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is, the kick is up, the kick is good! Auburn wins! 22-19! What's going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today Podcast. As always, my name is Noble, I'm joined here with my co-host Wheeler. And today we have a what I foresee to be a very depressing podcast ahead of us after the absolute boat race of Auburn against Penn State this past Saturday. one of the most embarrassing performances in recent memory. just an absolutely putrid, putrid performance. We, I'll let you just give your unhinged thoughts and just let's just jump right into the, the depression.
0: The wheels on the bus have fallen off. Buddy, it's about to go down. I'm going to give you what I really think is going to happen, and then we'll finish up the podcast with what I'm really hoping happens. Here's how I see it right now. As I see it right now, there is no center. Tate Johnson was terribly ineffective at either calling what the blitz was going to be uh, or actually putting a hand on a defender that was running past him. There were some. I mean, it is inexcusable for a Division One football team to have that many free rushers go right up the gut to the quarterback. I mean, it's just pitiful. It, it was hard to watch how bad that aspect was. Quarterbacks. I mean, heck, they didn't do anything that we weren't expecting them to do. TJ had a terrible turnover. Robbie can't throw. Um, and then Penn State put everybody in the box when Robbie was in the game. Why we didn't run with Tank Bigsby, I don't know. Uh, Brian Harson seemed a little, I don't know, whiny today in his press conference and basically getting mad at the media like it was the media's fault that his team sucks, that he sucks at his job. I can't wait for him to... He's going to be gone soon. I mean, it, the wheels are falling off. he He is able to shift the blame On a lot of different people. And it really honestly. Falls squarely on him. He has an offensive coordinator that's been fired from everywhere he's gone. Because he's just trash. He has managed to take. A strength of a team in the defensive line. And just make them horrible. I mean they played a horrible game. They were Auburn's run defense. Looked like they had never seen a running back before. Everything about Saturday. Was terrible. And to cap it all off. Old Bry thought it would be a great idea to have this team's catchphrase be, just watch. Well, we just watched your team get pummeled. So, no. I I don't see it coming up much. I think this and the Western Kentucky game are about the only winnable games left on the schedule if they play like they did yesterday. Um, And if they play like they did then, I don't know that those are winnable. That was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. The fans showed up. The team, in fact, did not. Um, It's horrible. It's honestly horrible. And now you got the media fighting, Brian. It's over. At the end of the season, it's over. One way or another. Whether they got to make up a scandal, whatever they got to do, he is G-O-N-E. Gone. So,
1: Wheeler is 100% off the Brian Harson train. Uh, just some statistical reminders of what uh, some of the top performers were. There really weren't many top performers, I'd say, but some of the people that showed up on the stat sheet the most. Yeah, TJ Finley, 11 for 19, 152 yards, zero touchdowns and one interception. Its QBR was up. It's now 60. So that was one of the better ones uh, of this season for the QB room, which is just sad. Uh, Finley also had two fumbles this game. Robbie Ashford, 10 for 19, 144. Passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. Tank Bigsby had nine carries, which was tied for second on the team. Robbie Ashford had the most with 11, and TJ Finley also had nine carries along with Tank. Why Tank is not getting
0: the football is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Dude is absolutely carving up Penn State. Did it last year, too. All of last year, Tank doesn't get the ball in big games and he blames Mike Bobo. And then this year, Bobo's nowhere to be found, and guess what? Neither is Tank Bigsby. Then he gets asked about it and he's like, Well, you don't understand what we're trying to do in our meeting rooms. And then we get the savage tweet, Well, you don't you're not invited to a lot of meetings about your future. Whoa.
1: Yeah, I, I just It it makes very little sense why Tank Bigsby is not touching the ball at least 20 times a game, every game. And at this point, it really doesn't matter who you're playing. I mean, we have only had one game where Tank Bigsby was the focal point of the offense, and he's the best player on the team. And you can make your – I mean, people like to say, you know, whatever they like to say. Tank Bigsby is the best football player on this team. There's no excuse for him to barely be touching the ball and – it wasn't even like he wasn't doing good. Like, nine carries for thirty-nine yards and two catches for thirty eight yards. He was averaging four yards a carry, which in a game where your offense scores twelve points is pretty dang good. So the the offense was just an absolute train wreck. The turnovers really killed us and the, the I think that one of the more frustrating things about this game was that it was a legitimate game at halftime. It was fourteen to six. We had missed some opportunities in the first half, but you felt like we were still in the game, and then it just all fell apart. And I think that was one of the worst parts about it, was that it wasn't even like it was just a massacre from beginning to end. It just grew into that, which was just a really tough one. Uh, somehow, we're a fake Somehow we're a favorite against Missouri, which is just baffling to me. The line has dropped by four points because Vegas is as low on Auburn as everyone else is for very good reasons. So it, it just really a bleak outlook for the rest of the season, and I just don't think – I'm trying to be optimistic and find things to be positive about, but there are just very few. I think that the, the there are things in effort that you can look at, but a lot of guys – a lot of the guys that looked like they gave up, and I think a lot of that was because the coaches gave up. And you could tell just the the environment of the game shifted after they scored that touchdown, went up twenty-one to six, and it just all all fell apart from there. So, Wheeler, just kind of give us your thoughts of some some positives, some players that you liked. You know, we talked about this a little bit right after the game. Uh, a couple players that we think still played well, just a little bit of. Brightness that you can possibly see from this game.
0: I thought the running backs still played well. I thought the running backs played hard the entire game. Um, I thought that the linebackers actually had a pretty okay game. Um, they didn't do great on the counters. Um, but I mean, the d line was just getting manhandled. like there there's no way around the d line getting manhandled. Two years in a row, no sacks on Sean Clifford. Um, no you, hurries either. You Zero can't convince me that you're an elite NFL prospect and you not get a single hurry on a quarterback. Um, that's not what an elite pass rusher does. Um, it's just, uh, no, I, I would say that's about all the positives that I saw. Uh, Anders looked better this week. His leg looked better. Yeah. Um, you know, Jaleel Irving came out there and the offensive line looked a little bit better, but you can't really tell because I don't know that Penn State had their starting defense in by the time Tate Johnson got replaced. Um, uh, I guess the other bright spot is Herm Edwards got fired from Arizona State and they may take Brian Harsin off of our hands um, as an act of God to just smile upon Auburn University. This is an absolute train wreck. I, I just, the, the amount of tone deafness that Brian Harson has, and then just the horrible, horrible performance between the get hard poster, between the just watch poster, between having all of your entire hopeful recruiting class come to a game where you get mauled at home in the second worst loss in program history. The Heck, the loss was so bad that Bruce Pearl decided to not build a basketball-only facility and just decided to put all the money in the NIL bank to try and buy players. I mean, it's bad, bad. The recruiting is terrible. They're last in the SEC. It's about to get worse. You got players trying to sell their Auburn merchandise before it's worthless. Um, Yeah, I mean, I... I, it's a dark day for Auburn football. We said that this was one of the most pivotal games in Auburn history, and that was about as bad as it could have gone.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I I think it's a, it's a very tough situation because now from here, you don't want to throw in the towel because it is only, you know, we're going into week four, we're still two and one. But after watching that game, you just – you just can't. That team that we saw in the second half against Penn State does not win another game this football season. And, for you know, Western Kentucky, where we keep talking about it as a gimme. They went into Indiana and went to overtime. And I'm not saying Indiana's an incredible football program right now. They'd probably beat us if we played. And so uh, Western Kentucky worries me a little bit. Missouri is bad, but we're we're bad too. So I really don't know what to expect from that. I'm still going to be going to that Georgia and Alabama game to watch us get absolutely eviscerated over there. So I'm not uh, – it's just – If there's we, not
0: improvement, the Georgia game will be 63-0. to zero.
1: Exactly, and you keep looking at the schedule, and you're just like, a lot of these teams keep looking good, and Auburn just keeps looking worse. So I, I guess th- this this builds in. My question to you, if we beat Missouri by, let's say, two touchdowns on Saturday – does it change your outlook any on this season? I don't think that anything in the next week is going to change people's perception of Brian Harson. But do you think that... Because right now, this season, if we lose on Saturday, I think the expectation becomes two to three wins. Because if we lose to Missouri, you don't really foresee us winning any SEC games. You can't imagine. And if you do, maybe you steal one, but it's low chances if you can't beat Missouri at home. If you do win... I think that there's still an outside hope of a bowl game. And obviously we're not just shooting for a bowl game, but making a bowl game is always better than not making a bowl game. So how do you think, depending on, a let's say, a two-touchdown win against Missouri on Saturday, how does that change your outlook on the rest of the season? And do you think there is anything short of beating Georgia and Alabama that can save Brian Harson's job?
0: Oh, yeah. Brian will not get fired. If he goes and wins a bunch of more games. If he wins eight games. Here's the thing. No matter what the score is against Missouri, if the offense has three turnovers and still wins by two touchdowns, then no, I feel no better about this game because that just means that Missouri is that bad at football. If we have more just god-awful timed penalties where every single time we get any kind of momentum, it's because there was a holding, then no, I do not foresee anything past Missouri. There there has to be a level of crispness that has not been seen since the Mercer game. Like, the San Jose State game was won because San Jose State was that bad at football. Auburn played a terrible game, and that's why they, I, I mean, San Jose was just so bad, that's why Auburn won the game. And then they honestly in the second half played just like they did in the first half against San Jose State. Just awful. Um, So, no, I you have to eventually – and the, the defense is – I mean, I thought that there was no defensive pressure because the other teams were just trying to get the ball out quick. Sean Clifford had all day to throw. Same problem we had last year early in the year. If you can't get a pass rush, you're not going to do too hot on defense. Um if the defensive line gets bullied around so that there's eight foot gaping holes up the middle, I mean, you're not, you're not going to have uh great success on defense. I, I'm so I mean, there's got to be a lot of improvement because it wasn't just like we were playing great and we had a couple of turnovers. Like we had a couple of turnovers with just horrible playing. From a lot of different positions. Um, Jalen Simpson, I guess, was a bright spot. I mean, he seemed to play well, but...
1: I thought DJ James played well as well.
0: Okay, so there you go. You got two corners playing well. You got the running backs, and I guess the receivers played well. I mean, Shedrick had that fumble. That wasn't great. But I thought that the receivers did a good job of at least getting open when there was any kind of time to get open. Um, they've been catching the ball. Landon King not playing um, seems just like a really large lapse in judgment to me. Uh, it seems like you're being hard-headed and wanting to build your culture the right way, but guess what, buddy? If you don't win football games, you don't have a time. That's the thing. Bruce Pearl understood that you can build a culture, but you got to win at least enough games to not get fired. Uh-huh. And so he played Kareem Canty. And Bruce Pearl would never in a million years bring in Kareem Canty now. Like, But when you're trying to build it, it doesn't matter if the guy doesn't know where to go. It doesn't matter if the guy doesn't love ball like you want him to love ball. If he plays better than the guys that love ball, he has to be on the field. Every time Landon King gets on the field, he makes a play. Put the man in the game. There's no way that Zach Calzada's non-throwing shoulder injury last season has taken him from being a competent SEC quarterback to incompetent. I don't know what he did. I don't know if he left poop on Brian Arson's desk, if he slept with his daughter, or if he just doesn't like football. I don't care if he doesn't like football. If he never watches a bit of film and he goes home and plays cod and smokes weed, I don't care. If he's good at football on the field on Saturday, that's what matters. That's what matters right now because I don't you got two guys who apparently love football and love riding mopeds without helmets and probably love smoking weed too. But you know what? They're not good at football. So why are you playing them? TJ's not good at football. He's just not and I I'm sad that he's not. I want him to be good at football. He's trying so hard. He's trying to run, he's trying to show everybody I'm an athlete, but he's not. He's not a good football player. Robbie can try and throw the football. I tried to throw the football at the tailgate, and I can't throw the football. It doesn't matter how bad I want to. I can't do it very well. Robbie can't either. Zach Calzada has been on the field in big games and thrown the ball effectively. He has. Now, maybe he can't evade pressure. And, I mean, that is a serious problem if you're an Auburn quarterback right now because unless you want to get kicked in the teeth, you probably shouldn't go out at quarterback because, of, I mean, they're running right up the A gap. I mean, it's coming right past Tate Johnson, and he isn't laying a finger on them, especially on a delayed linebacker blitz. Buddy's looking 10 rows back. It's bad. Um doesn't even have to be
1: delayed. I mean, there was that one play, the, the linebacker had a slow creep right up, And he was standing right there, almost like a nose tackle. And you're like, surely, if this, you're like, surely this guy's going to go back. Like, they're not going to disguise the blitz this poorly. The ball is snapped, and Tate just looks to his left and starts blocking, double teaming a guy, and the linebacker runs straight after being a foot away from him and makes the play. And you're just like, really, man? Really? I think here's my, my poll. What was, what is the, Out of these three, what was the most embarrassing thing about this game? Was it, A, Auburn falling to 0-8 on the turnover margin this season, despite only playing one Power 5 football team? Or was it a true freshman running back putting up 120 yards and two touchdowns on us? Or was it the fact that we had 70-plus recruits at the game and they saw that, and Kavion Henderson, the four-star defensive lineman, posts on his Snapchat story the next day a picture of him in the Auburn shirt that they just gave him and said, who want to buy this shirt? Well, looks like he's going to go to Alabama. Or was it after the game when the old faithful stayed and played their alma mater? And our band decided, oh, Come on. Ah, When the Auburn faithful stayed in the stadium to sing the alma mater arm in arm with their fellow Auburn family members. And but alas, Penn State is also playing their alma mater after the game. And their band is going. And our band decides to do the classy thing and put down the instruments to let Penn State be the louder team. And they just sat there and started singing. The Auburn people could not hear where they were. And also, half the student section doesn't even know the alma mater because they don't put the words on the screen. That's a separate thing. But which of those just sad, sad events from this past Saturday just humiliates you the most as an Auburn fan?
0: I think you forgot to mention that Brian Harsin has three wins against Power 5 teams since he's been at Auburn. That's another one. That's another one. Um. It's all embarrassing. it's all terrible it's uh it's a train wreck right now and I don't see it getting cleaned up. I really don't. uh Harson seems to be quite combative with everybody um, and I'm really not sure why he's so combative. I also really want to know why Brian Harson didn't I don't know challenged the fact that the ball had not been snapped at the end of the first quarter when TJ threw his first interception or that nobody on the sideline knew that the clock was ending. It just seems like we got a bunch of hoodlums running the football program right now that don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's just it's one disaster after another after another and uh yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to last much longer. And I also
1: think another thing, the coaches that are doing the best are the ones that really were kind of the reaches when we hired them. Like, it was all the guys who were like, oh, yeah, they did good when they played for us. Let's see how they are as a coach. And they've all done great. They've done their job to the letter. They have done a fantastic job. It's the guys that were supposed to be the X's and O's masterminds that are just bad. I mean, there's no way around it. It has just been bad. It has been bad. The running backs have
0: improved. I would say Cadillac has done a great job. I would say Ike Hilliard has done a great job both coaching up the receivers and recruiting receivers. I would say Christian Robinson has done a fantastic job with the linebackers. The DBs, honestly, I don't think the DBs have played that bad. I really don't. I mean, a bunch of the Penn State catches were just really good catches by Penn State receivers. Now, the defensive line... Defensive line struggling, pretty, pretty bad, I'd say. And the schemes on defense that are called do not seem to be the most effective. But I mean, we're not in the meetings every day, as Brian Harson loves to point out. But um, I don't think that your meeting met about giving up 41 points. Um, but that's just a reach. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I just the whole thing is just making me. Really, really question everybody that is in charge of the football program, and it just makes you, just makes you wonder just what is going, what is really happening, what is just really going on. I just, it's just, it's horrible. But do you think there's any shot? So how, where, where are you at from a mental point of where are you at for this weekend's game against Missouri? It's gonna be an 11 a.m. kick. Auburn has. Historically, been fairly abysmal in the, uh, you know, the 11 a.m. SEC games. Do you think? Do you have confidence that Auburn will come out and win the game, or do you think it'll be a sluggish start and it'll just be an ugly game from start to finish, or do you think Auburn will look crisp this Saturday?
0: Absolutely, will not look crisp. I think it's going to be an ugly game from two terrible teams from two coaches from the same coaching tree fighting for who can be the worst. I really think it's going to be bad. Uh, Unless that Calzada goes out there or maybe Robbie, you know, magically learns how to throw the football. I don't know. We'll probably be able to run the ball on Missouri. Hopefully maybe the game plan will be to run the ball, but knowing Brian Harson, he'll probably run TJ out there. Who's in a sling right now and ask him to throw the ball 15 times. And, We'll get a twenty yard gain and then we'll get a holding call and we'll get behind the chains and we'll run just some stupid crap and then Oscar will shank one off of his foot and then the defense will give up an eighty yard touchdown to a white guy. Um just like last year in the Georgia Southern game. It's just oh so disgusting. So we disgusting the where the program the team has gotten. No, this team won six games last year. Last year was the rebuilding year, and they got curb stomped on Sunday or Saturday, and then to come out and say the guys were clearly pissed on practice on Sunday, well, dadgum son, I hope they were mad. They just got their teeth kicked in. They just got on national TV, and everybody's making jokes on them. The Twitter page literally had to delete the final score tweet because people were being so hateful. And then players are tweeting, hey, y'all still got our back? Come back out the stadium. Hey, y'all still got our back? How about y'all pack the box so that they don't run for 80 yards, so that the freshman running back doesn't run for 135 yards? There are plenty of people there. People were yelling at recruits after the game saying, please, please come here. We need you. We need your help. It's so, it's just, it's terrible. And whether we fire him or keep him, the recruiting is, oh, it's awful. And he is not going to, even if he stays, he is not going to be able to salvage this recruiting class because no one is going to want to come and play for this man. Absolutely no one. It is a sinking ship. They need to get rid of him. The administration has already set the table for it. They got rid of the only guy that would try and defend him, and they got somebody that they knew would do exactly what they wanted him to do. Fire him. Hire someone that's dadgum decent. Who's not from freaking Boise. And that
1: that adds, for the people that are, you know, asking for Deion Sanders. No, no. hiring Dion would
0: get wrecked by Nick Saban and Kirby Smart in X's and O's, and they hiring can recruit someone, just as much as he can.
1: Hiring someone that has no Division One football coaching experience is not going to be the answer to a guy that didn't have Power 5 coaching experience. Don't forget, Brian Harson was an extremely successful group of five coach. It's not the same. Coaching at Jackson State and coaching at Auburn University are not the same. Heck, coaching at Jackson State and coaching at Boise State are two very different beasts as well. Deion Sanders would be an absolutely boneheaded hire, if you ask me. I think that you've got to hire somebody, if you do move on from Harson. you've got to hire somebody with legitimate Power 5 experience, preferably SEC experience, and you've got to hire someone that is likable by the board. The board has to like this guy, because obviously, you know, you can say all the things about what happened in February. The point of the matter is, The board and the boosters need to like this guy. They need to have a say in the hire. And you can say whatever you want about how they're ruining Auburn University. This is how it works at every school. If you have $900 million, you have a say in who the football coach is. If you're going to write $30 million checks to fire a coach, you have a say in who the next one is. That's just how it works. That's how it works at Auburn. That's how it works at Alabama. That's how it works at Georgia. Do you think that the boosters weren't the ones that wanted Kirby Smart at Georgia? No. These are the people that are paying the salary. They're paying the buyouts. They're going to have a say. That's how the world works. That is what is going to happen if Brian Harson gets fired. We're going to move on, and we're going to make a good hire, and we're going to be okay. The program will level out. We don't know when it will level out. Eventually it will. This is going to look back as just a black spot on the program because this will just be at least two seasons of just sad, sad, sad moments. And there are going to be some good moments in the season still, but they will be few and far between. We will find out how bad it will be on Saturday. If we can pull out a win, there's still hope for a bowl game. There's still hope for something to cheer for. If we lose against Missouri, this has potential to be the worst football season in modern Auburn history. And that's saying a lot, because 2012 was bad. The team gave up halfway through the season and that'll also be an interesting thing if the team gives up or if the team keeps playing how how everything's going to go if people stay if certain players stay in Harson's corner if they leave we'll find out soon enough but this saturday i think is important but i think that you know they they asked Brian Harson the media asked Brian Harson today if this weekend, if this Saturday is a must-win, and he you know, said a coach-speak answer that, oh, yeah, every game is a must-win from here on out. The thing is, I think that this Missouri game means very little for Brian Harsin's future at Auburn. I think it means a good amount for this Auburn team's future in this season, and if they make a bowl, et cetera, et cetera. I think the only games that really mean something for Brian Harsin are games against right teams. He has to win. He has to, he has to beat Georgia or Alabama, I think. Unless he runs the table against everybody else and goes nine and three, which let's be honest, that's not happening. Unless he, if he wins seven games and one of them is against Georgia or Alabama, and somehow recruiting miraculously picks up, maybe, maybe he'll be able to stay. But the thing is, if that doesn't happen, it's not looking good for Harson, and it's very difficult to go in and expect him, expect him to beat Georgia, the number one team in the country in Athens, for the first time since 2005, or Alabama, the number two team in the country, and Bryant Denny, for the first time in 2010. The chances of that happening are very low, and I just seem from my perspective, it seems like the writing is on the wall for Brian Larson.
0: I agree. And oh, it's just so, that game Saturday was so depressing. It did not take any kind of football eye to realize that this team is garbage. They are just garbage from top to bottom. And every team is just going to take that Penn State playbook because they didn't do anything special. Penn State was not playing that well. Like they were playing, they're just fine. But every SEC team that Auburn plays is going to do that exact same thing. Georgia and Alabama are going to absolutely rock This team's world, more specifically Georgia, because Kirby's willing to run the score up, and Saban will have some class and he'll keep it. He'll keep it lower. It's going to be terrible.
1: I mean, yeah, I think Saban's the kind of guy. I mean, you look in 2012; he was winning 42 to nothing at halftime. Final scores, I think, 49 to zero. I mean, that was the point where it's like, yeah, he's being classy, but also his team is significantly better than yours. Kirby, will, Kirby is going to try and score 80 points. Kirby will try and score as much as he possibly can because he hates Auburn just as much as we hate him. It's going to be ugly. I'm just saying for the Auburn fans that will be joining me in Athens that week, get ready because it's going to be a difficult ride. And I'm really not trying to be just down in the dumps the whole podcast, but there's just very, very little positivity that you can draw from that game. And I've been trying. I mean, I've been trying for the past two days to find a positive way to look at it. There just really aren't. I mean, it, the the mood around Auburn and the football facility and everything is that Brian Harson is done, and we are three games into the season. That just doesn't instill any confidence. It, the, I've had more conversations about who we're going to hire and who's going to stay on the staff than I have about Missouri or LSU or the rest of the actual football team or even the Penn State game itself everyone's mind is just focused on who's next and not is there any way to salvage this. And I just think that that's because of the performance. I mean, you look at the performance, the score isn't that much different than Georgia Lassie's. I mean, I don't know the exact score by heart, but, I mean, it was about a 30-point game, if I remember correctly. But even that game was competitive for a while. And I mean competitive even to the end when Georgia started scoring and, you know, running the score up a little, It wasn't just easy for them. Penn State in the second half, it was easy for them. They were just – they were playing with them, and it was just – it was the sad thing because Penn State is not even a good football team. That's the biggest difference. They're not good.
0: That's what I was going to say. That's the difference. Georgia, we thought, was a historically good team doing that to Auburn. Penn State is just like okay.
1: I think Penn State is – the epitome of average. They are meh. A completely and utterly meh. They are a meh team this year. They're not very good. We are bad. I mean, that's just that's just the only way to put it. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you have bad years. And the one thing the one thing that I have been able to cling to, with everyone wondering if the program is gonna fall off and become the next Tennessee. In 1975, when Sug Jordan ceased to be the Auburn football coach, Doug Barfield was hired. Doug Barfield was not a very good coach. Ironically, he was the one that brought in the orange jerseys that we all wanted, which, thank God in heaven, that we did not wear orange on Saturday because that would have added to the embarrassment and we would have had those jerseys locked away to never be seen again. That's another thing. But anyways, Dave Barfield, Doug Barfield comes in he tries to fix things. He tries to change the culture, tries to fit his his model, whatever. Doesn't work out. And personally, Doug Barfield was a better coach than Brian Harsin, objectively. But Barfield, the error doesn't work out. He has more successful seasons than Brian Harson also. Uh, but so his final year is 1980. He gets fired. Very next season, Pat Dye is hired, one of the most legendary coaches in all history. What I'm saying is I don't know if we're going to hire one of the best coaches in Auburn history after Brian Arson, but I will say Auburn has done it before. Things can go wrong, and even more recently, 2012, the wheels fell off bad. The wheels fell off quick. Gene Chizik is fired. Everyone's freaking out. Gus Malzahn's hired. Wins the SEC, makes a national championship, has the memorable 2013 season, very next season. I'm just saying good things – can still happen from a new coach. And we are not just going to, but it has happened. And so I just think that that kind of wraps up essentially what we've been trying to say, but we'll we'll be back uh, either later this week or next week, talking about Missouri a little bit more. We'll,